chapter 16, if you have your Bible, I want to preach a message that I've entitled this morning, Don't Be Discouraged. And uh, I do want to also encourage you to rem- uh, to remember uh, the country of Ukraine in prayer. We prayed for them in Sunday school. Um, it's a devastating thing what's happening. It's an immoral thing. It's a wrong thing. Um, but those things are also in the control of God. And uh, the the one thing that we can do um, as a Christian, uh, as Christians, as a church, uh, as a nation of Christians, is pray for them. Pray for God's mercy on them. And pray especially for the believers that are there. Tim Tyler is one of our missionaries. He's in Romania. He's already taking in refugees from Ukraine. And I'll read more of his letter on Wednesday night. But uh, he's just asking for prayer and asking for help and dealing with these people. And a grace, it's, of course, it's a great opportunity to share Christ, but it's an amazing opportunity to show the love of Christ and to try to help people as much as he can. And uh, so a- as you pray for your meal uh, in the morning or if you pray at night, hopefully before you go to bed, uh, just a- ask God for help and to help those people because I guarantee you there are Christians somewhere in Ukraine that are crying out to God. And and we know, we, we know that if they're crying out to God earnestly, that he hears them. Amen. And uh, we can offer those prayers up. We were over in Los Gatos yesterday and coming back from Los Gatos, uh, there was a whole bridge right there by the Good Sam that had the Romanian flag and the Israeli flag and, and a big sign that said, please support Ukraine. And the best way we can do that is by prayer and supplication with all thank, with all uh, for all saints. And so uh, let's do that uh, when we pray. So um there may be discouraging news, but we don't, shouldn't be discouraged. We may hear some discouraging things. This week you may have just heard some more discouraging things. Uh, um, one encouraging thing you may have heard was, hey, the mask mandate is going to be dropped in California. The discouraging thing is not in Santa Clara County, right? So you may say, well, how come the state does this? Because, well, I'll not go there. Uh, we just have a special county. And uh, so we... But, but here's the point. Does God want us to be and to remain discouraged? Of course not. This is another Bible proof. First Samuel chapter 16, we're going to read just the first few verses. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? Have you ever been hurt by someone? Someone ever truly disappointed you? Have you ever been discouraged so badly that it affected you, not just for a day or a couple of days, but for an extended period of time? Have you ever been in that place? The word mourn here is grieve. And Samuel didn't lose anybody that he loved necessarily. But the grief that he had was amazing. Uh, I've met Christians who've had their pastors or youth pastors that have norm, that have morally failed them and it caused them to leave their church. And they used it, some of them have used it as an excuse to walk away from God altogether. Some of you may know people like that. They were so hurt. They were so 
uh, involved in this process that the devil used it and they became discouraged and they may remain discouraged even until this day. In our text, Samuel has been disappointed and disappointed greatly. God had rejected Saul as king and unfortunately Samuel had to be the one to deliver that message to Saul. And you say, well, why is that a big deal? Well, to begin with, Samuel had great hopes for Saul. Um, the Bible tells us that he had an appearance of a king. And even to Samuel, all of his physical attributes appeared to be that of a successful ruler. He was head and shoulders above all the other kings. And who could blame Samuel for falling in love with the, uh, the juxtapearance of Saul? That he would look at him and say, man, if there's ever a guy that can help Israel out of the way they've been living for so long, and if there was ever a guy they could follow, it would be, it would be Saul. Israel had been struggling to follow God throughout the years of the judges, and now God had favorably allowed the king and even promised them that as long as they would, uh, as long as they would follow the Lord, and as long as the king would lead them toward the Lord, that they would have God's blessing on the nation, that they would be protected. But Saul had failed. And had been condemned by God. And even here in our text, he was rejected as king. And the tragedy of Saul's failure gripped the soul of Samuel. Now again, Samuel's not been rejected. But as the last judge who basically handed off the baton to Saul has witnessed, unfortunately, that Saul dropped the baton. And the Bible tells him, tells us that it gripped his soul. He became discouraged. He became depressed and downhearted and began to grieve. The word for mourning there is to grieve over the situation. And by the way, grief is not a sin. And you need to hear me say that. Grief is not a sin. But when grief begins to control your life, it becomes a sin. He had begun to grieve, but he grieved for too long. He stayed discouraged for too long. The day came when God was ready to begin preparation for a new king. It was time for Samuel to snap out of his grief and mourning over Saul. And the Bible tells us, the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? How long will you do this? Because I'm the one that's rejected him. Why is it bothering you? You're not thinking about what needs to come next. You're thinking about what was or what should have been in your own eyes. Instead, you need to understand, I've already provided me a king among Jesse's sons. I already have a plan, listen, that goes beyond your discouragement. I've got a pathway for you. How long will you do this? Samuel was wallowing around in his disappointment, being gripped by a spirit of discouragement. Looking at him, a person saw a man that would be very sorrowful, which was not Samuel's way. The Bible says that he would go around in circuit, and while he did, not only would he judge the sins of the people, but he would practically help them and lead them back to God. And now Samuel's not Samuel anymore. Samuel can't be used, listen, for God in the state that he is currently in. He's not giving the appearance. Instead, he's very sorrowful. But this was not the way God intended his servant to live. By the way, it's not intended for us to live that way. It's not intended, it is not the way God intends us to live. Bad experiences happen to everybody. At some point in time, someone is going to discourage you. At some point in time, you're going to be disappointed. Your expectation is going to be leveled and it's going to bother you greatly. Things don't go right. Things don't work out like we planned. People let us down, but they're not supposed to grip us. They're not supposed to take a hold 
or take us hostage as if we were in shackles. God said to Samuel, how long? It's been long enough is the idea. It's been long enough, Samuel, seeing I've rejected uh, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee. We are more than conquerors, the Bible says, to every circumstance. To every circumstance. No matter what confronts us, God will help us conquer and overcome every tragedy, every sorrowful experience in our life. Would you take your Bible briefly and turn to Romans chapter 8 with me? God does not intend us to live discouraged. That doesn't mean we won't be discouraged. Can somebody say amen right there? God doesn't intend it, but it doesn't mean that we won't be discouraged. God doesn't intend for every disappointment to lead, uh, to lead us to depression or discouragement, especially to leave us there. And yet God tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Can we say that last part of that phrase, if God ready? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm glad 10 of you decided to read. Can we have everybody participate? Ready? Right there. Ready? If God be, then who can be? Now let's continue this line of thinking in these verses. He that spared not his own son, that's Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, here we go. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies, uh, fieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Look up here. The first encouragement that we should take is that Jesus Christ is praying for you. He knows exactly why you're mourning. He knows exactly why you're disappointed. He knows exactly what you're going through, as the Bible declares in Hebrews chapter 4. So the first way we conquer discouragement is realizing, wait a minute. Nobody else may ever pray for me, but I know that Jesus is praying for me. Now look down again back at Romans. The Bible says, um, right in uh, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? And here's all the different things that could discourage us. Here's all the things and all the ways the devil intends to take us out of the way. Um, the Bible says, <clears throat> shall tribulation take us out of the love of Christ? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Look, all of those are a variety of circumstances. Would you agree? And every one of those are in the control of God. That's why the Bible says this, we continue as it is written, for thy sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, but in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor thing present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's almost as if he gives us two sets of circumstances, one seen and one unseen, and says, I want you to know that nothing can stop you except you. How long will you mourn, seeing I have rejected him from being king? Get up and go. Take thine oil and go, and I will send thee. The Lord was not pleased with Samuel being gripped. We could say it this way. The Lord was not pleased with Samuel being immobilized, being unuseful by his grief. So what did he tell him to do? Get up and go. 
Too often Christians are held hostage because of circumstances, because of discouragements or disappointments. And listen, and their emotions have become their prison cell. Saul was discouraged. Let's say it a little different way. He didn't feel like being happy. He didn't feel like the Samuel of old. He allowed his emotions to grip him. And God said, how long are you going to allow this to happen to you? Notice with me three simple actions that we can take to keep from being discouraged. First of all, we need to learn to trust God with our circumstances. I wish I had a dime for every time I've said that in the last two years. And yet every week, what happens? Circumstances change. Things happen. We get disappointed. We get discouraged, especially if it's the same circumstances or stance over and over and over again. And it's wearing on us. And there are Christians, and sadly, who have been immobilized. Do you understand that you don't know what is going to happen tomorrow? But we serve a God that does. Do you realize that? Can you think of that on the spot? And the best part about it is that our God is so faithful that he will never allow our lives, including Samuel's, to go through something that we can't handle. The Bible declares there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye should be able to bear it. That tells me that God had a plan for Samuel and Samuel didn't live up to God's plan. I've rejected Saul, not you. You're the judge. You're not the king. You've not failed me. You've stayed faithful, but you've allowed your hopes to be put on someone other than me. And it stopped you right where you are. How long are you going to live like this? By the way, just because God allows things into my life, just because he allows circumstances in my life for his glory doesn't mean that I'm going to like them. Doesn't mean that. More often or not, it means that I'm not going to like them. But what I do with those circumstances, and by the way, they could make me very sad. Saul was rejected as king, and for whatever reason, we do not know by the word of God, whatever reason, it crippled Samuel from doing God's will in his life. Stopped him. The fact of the matter is, you and I have to trust the Lord during times of sadness. During times of disappointment, during times, listen, of grief, of anger, and disappoint or discouragement. You've got to learn, and I've got to learn, to control our emotions, or your emotions are going to control you. You've got to learn to put those bad boys in check. Otherwise, they're just going to run righteous on you. They're going to lead you down away. Why? Let me give you two reasons. Letter A, wrong emotions lead us to selfish thoughts. Wrong emotions lead us to selfish thoughts. Ephesians 4, 26, be ye angry, O look, and sin not. The Bible says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Well, I don't want to forgive. Well, I want to stay mad. Well, now, wait a minute. Why would you want to do that? Because that emotion is leading you away from the will of God, which makes you selfish. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, I don't want to do this. And how many times do we say, I, 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 about what we shouldn't be doing. As you study the, the, the life of King Saul, you'll see what life looks like when you're controlled by emotions. 
when you live according to what people say, that's why the Bible warns us about being led by emotion. Listen carefully. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Then it says, slow to wrath. For the, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, that's your emotions, is like a city that is broken down without walls. God says, look, when you deal with wrong emotions, they're going to lead you to selfish thoughts. Why is this happening to me? Why does it seem like I'm the only one that's affected? Why is no one else? And then what happens? Those emotions have led us down a path that is starting to think about one person only, and that's us. I don't know what Samuel was thinking, but it wasn't right thinking. And it was because he, wasn't, he didn't have any right feelings. Wrong emotions lead us to selfish thoughts. Let me say, secondly, right emotions are the result of trusting God. Right emotions are a result. They're never meant to be the master. They're never meant to be the master. They're not supposed to be something that leads the way. They're supposed to be something that God intended to show up after you've let him lead the way. Now, think about this just for a minute. In Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 through 20, this is the life of Joseph. And, and I always like to use Bible examples, especially one that people are more, are more familiar with. Jacob, Jacob's second youngest son is Joseph. Joseph was hated by, hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. As he became a servant of Potiphar, he was wrongly accused of rape and imprisoned. After his imprisonment, he excelled to be the most powerful human being in Egypt. God sent a famine to the land, and the very individuals that put him in prison showed up at Joseph's front door. Now, Joseph could have done anything that he ever wanted to him. He could have beheaded him on the spot. He could have hung him to torture. He could have hung him from the gates of the city, and no one would have questioned him. He had all power. He was the only person that exceeded his power was in the throne, and that was Pharaoh himself. He had all power, but he didn't. God saved his family. His daddy died, and after his dad died, all of his brothers were like, that's it, we're going to die. Joseph can't control himself any longer. The Bible says they feared because of what they had done to him was going to come back on him. And the Bible tells us that Joseph said unto them when they were in the midst of, okay, here it comes. He's going to let his anger, his revenge, he's going to let his, his, he's going to have his own way with us. He, he, he could have ordered them killed, but he didn't. He, he could have enslaved them for years, but he didn't. He could have been angry, vengeful, hateful, unkind, rude, self-centered, and, and, and yet he didn't. In fact, the Bible says that he wept over them. The exact opposite of letting emotions rule you to doing something that is wrong, he did everything that was right, and the right emotions came. He was overjoyed that God had brought them to him. In fact, they were so fearful, Joseph had to finally come and say, look, fear not, for am I in the place of God? Wait a minute. God was in charge of all of my circumstances. I am not going to usurp authority and say, why? In fact, he subdues his emotions and says, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it to good to bring to pass what? A bigger picture to save much people alive. You know, the Bible says good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Good understanding. What does that begin with? That begins with right thoughts about your circumstances saying, God, I trust you. I don't like this. The Bible says that every part of Joseph's life 
when it was challenging, when it was depressing, discouraging. The Bible says that God was with Joseph. And you see the difference? God was with Joseph, but he looks at Samuel and God has to say, how long are you going to sit there like that? As if I don't have a bigger picture. As if I've lost control. Samuel, why are you going to mourn? How long are you going to sit there? Joseph never sat there. He never allowed himself to be controlled by his emotions. During the Boxer Rebellion, the China Inland Mission suffered greatly. And its founder, J. Hudson Taylor, said to a friend, and I quote, I cannot read, I cannot think, I cannot even pray, but I can trust. That is someone that's not allowing emotions to dictate his life. He's allowing his faith to dictate. Don't be discouraged about what's happened. You can trust in the God of your circumstances. Number two, the next action we can take is always listen to the word of God. It amazes me the fact that Samuel was fearful, even fearful about obeying the Lord at first. You know, the Bible says in verse two, Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he's going to kill me. If he hears that I'm going down here for a sacrifice and I'm going to anoint somebody and he gets wind of that, do you know what's going to happen? He's going to kill me. Saul's already lost his rocker, off his rocker. He, he's lost his mind. I, I'm, I'm going to die. Even just the fact that he first was fearful about obeying the Lord, listen, tells you that he was still listening to God in his word. He was still listening. Though he was fearful, he was still listening. Though he didn't like his circumstance, he still heard God. He still listened to him. By the way, when you're discouraged, that's the most important time to hear from God. When your feelings have led you down into despair, it's the most important time to lift up your eyes and look to heaven and say, God, speak. Speak to me. I need to hear from you because, Lord, right now I don't have the right feelings. And if I allow these emotions to take over, it's going to lead me into some things that I really don't want to be a part of. It's going to let me be selfish. And I don't want to be selfish, Lord. This is your life. Can I say a couple of things about listening to the word of God? Letter A, nothing encourages like the Bible. And I want to prove it to you. I want you to take and I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah, which is going to be to the right of where you are. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm. So if you go to Psalm and turn left, you're going to find Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8. Israel's gone off into captivity and nehemiah has been allowed by god to come back and build the walls as rebuilt the temple or rebuilt the temple nehemiah took a band of people back to rebuild the walls because he was concerned and ezra and nehemiah were contemporaries they were there at roughly the same time and they got together and they decided that the people needed something they needed to hear from god not just in a vision. They weren't calling down something. They weren't trying to pretend about, well, this, yay, this is the word of the Lord, or I have a word from the Lord. They weren't doing that. Instead, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, I want you to see what they did. And, and it's a little lengthy, but just bear with me for a minute. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they speak unto Ezra, the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra, the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and the women and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. That's a pretty good time. 
before the men and the women and those that could understand in the ears of all the people, listen, were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood all these people. Let's go down to verse 5. And Israel, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 7 tells us that these priests, if you look down a little bit, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So, verse 8, they read in the book. They read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, which is the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Watch this. Mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, send the portions to them from whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Listen, neither be, neither be ye sorry. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you understand? The Bible example is that nothing encourages like the word of God. Romans chapter 15, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are down, when somebody disappoints you, when things aren't going right, it's not the time to not come to church. It's not the time to put the book on the back of the truck and and leave it and not know where it is. It's the time to pick up the book. It's the time to walk in and listen to the book be preached. It's the time that when the man of God gives the sense that you understand that you would take it and say, I'm not going to mourn. I'm not going to weep. I'm going to rejoice because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Samuel did not have any strength. Why? Because he was mourning for so long. He was disappointed and God said, listen, I need to do something and I've got to use you. Get up. I don't want you to be discouraged anymore. I've got a plan that includes you. I need you, Samuel. But what if I look, here's the plan. Tell them you're coming to bring a sacrifice. Why is that such a big deal? Because when a judge would come to a city, especially unannounced, it normally meant one thing. He's getting ready to judge us. God's told him that we have a problem in this city and now he's coming to lay down the law and we're going to be in trouble with God. And so they said, are you coming peaceably? He goes, yeah, peaceably. Oh, good. What do you need us to do? Well, I'm going to have a sacrifice. We'll go get the sacrifice. Okay. Who do we need to call? Jesse. All right. Well, you got it. We're going to go call Jesse and he's going to come. And he just happened to do exactly what God said. Isn't it interesting? How that in the middle of all that, God spoke and in the middle of his mourning, he heard what God was saying. And he got up and did that which the Lord wanted him to do. Let her be. When the Bible comes in, our faith goes up. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The other day, I had the oil in my daughter's car changed and they brought it into me. Uh, they brought into me after a little while the air filter. And um, I had never seen an air filter so disgusting in my entire life. And I don't necessarily, I, I'm not a mechanic. I, I can't explain what would happen if it stayed clogged? I know this, it wouldn't run the way it was designed to run. 
because it needs air and it needs clean air. And everything in that filter was awful. It was so disgusting. He was like, do you want me? I was like, ah, change it. (laughs) I know this, that if that air filter is clogged, it needs to be changed. Now, the air filter flows clean air to the engine. So if it's clogged, what is needed won't get in. That's the same thing with us. I have to deal with my emotions and the decisions that I've made in my emotion so that when God does speak, it gets in. Colossians 1.17, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. If I'm in the midst of circumstances that I don't like and I've got something wrong in my filter and it's not cleaned out, that never gets in. I can't trust what I can't experience many times when I'm emotional. And if I've got a wrong and a dirty heart and God says, look, I just want you to trust me. I've got a hold of all this. If Samuel's heart is still not ready, ripe and open to the Lord, he never hears that. He never hears. I've got a, I've got a boy down at Jesse's house that I've got, I'm going to make you king. In fact, he had already precursored it when he told Saul, I've got one and he's better than you. And by the way, that, 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 that's not saying that Some are better than others. That word better than you means that I've got someone who's going to obey me. I've got someone who's going to fulfill my plan. Saul, you wouldn't do it. So I'm going to have to use another. By the way, that's a great lesson. Not all of God's will depends on you. He can raise up another. But he sure would like to use the original plan. He sure would. I can't hear that God is in control of all things. And by him, all things consist. If I'm not listening to the word of God. Thirdly. Once the word of God gets in, once I finally get a hold of my, uh, my emotions, I've got to be ready to do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Verse 4, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and he came to Bethlehem. You see, my responsibilities as a Christian doesn't stop when I'm upset. My responsibilities as a father, my responsibility as a husband, as a pastor, as a Christian, they don't stop when I'm discouraged Life doesn't stop when you don't get your way. My, uh, my little grandson, as much as I love him, uh, he didn't get his way today and he let it be known. And he, he, he refused to have any other way but his way. Okay? The fact of the matter is, sometimes that's the way we act. God, I don't like my circumstances, so I'm not doing anything. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to mourn, and you're not going to like it. And I'm just going to cry and cry and cry. Now think about this. I'm going to cry and cry and cry, and I'm going to mourn and mourn and mourn until you change your mind. That's sometimes the way we act. I don't like my circumstances. I want them to change. And God says, yeah, I'm not trying to change your circumstances. I'm trying to change you. That's all God wanted out of Samuel. Samuel, how long are you going to live like this? I, I, I didn't change. You think this is all about you, Samuel. It's not. It's about Israel. In fact, if you want to be really nitpicky about it, it's about me. God's saying this is all about me. If trials are allowed by God for me to grow stronger in my faith and trust, it's because there's something more that he wants to use me for. There's always something God wants to use you to do. At least he wants us to trust, at the least he wants us to trust and obey him no matter what, which increases our faith. 
which brings more glory to God. Let me give you two things and we're done. Letter A, God's word teaches us the importance of obeying his word. The Bible says in verse 4, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake. You, you remember back in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That was God's command to Adam and Eve about what they shouldn't do. Okay? And then what happened? Well, they ate the fruit, and what happened? They began to die. Oh, not physically, they didn't die immediately. But their life apart from God was never the same. You know what that tells me? Life without obedience to God is not life. It's only existence. And for 930 some years, Adam just existed. And he never had the life ever again that God had for him, intended him. Why? Because he disobeyed. He's the one that drove God out of the garden. God didn't drive him out of the garden. He's the one that was naked and ashamed. He'd never been that before. He's the one that had to deal now with all of the turmoil and all of the strife between him and his wife. He's the one that had to deal with working hard and the sweat of his brow and all that he brought. He had to live with that for all of his life. And he couldn't do it with God right by him. He had to do it as a long distance relationship. And God says, listen, I want you to understand if there's one thing that my word teaches from the beginning to the end, it's the importance of obedience. Saul's life lesson, I preached two message. Obedience is better and after obedience. If there's one thing Saul's life teaches us is that it's better to obey than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Life without obedience to God is not life. And that may be where you are. And sometimes the devil gets us disappointed even in ourself because of our own failure and drags us down into discouragement. And God says, listen, why if you're going to trust me with circumstances, trust me with your sin. That's why I died. To deliver you from that. That you should no longer be servants to sin, but alive in the spirit of God. Have you ever been in the spiritual survival mode? just existing, not excelling. We've all been there. Not growing in grace. In fact, if you were honest, grace was the last thing that you were thinking of when you were living like that. When you're living a desolate life, just existent spiritually, you're not even thinking. Your, your, your emotions are so controlling you, you're not even thinking, what I need is your grace, God. You're not thinking, God, I need your mercy. Will you forgive me for turning my back? Will you forgive me for, you're not thinking any of that. Why? Because your emotions have you only thinking about yourself. Trust me when I say that there is a better life to be lived. A life that glorifies, glorifies you and gives you an, glorifies God and gives you an established and settled peace that glorifies him. That's the life that God intends. God's word teaches us the importance of obedience. Let her be emotions often tell us what we shouldn't do or can't do but they never tell us what we ought to do emotions tells us i don't feel like going to church i don't feel like reading my bible i don't feel like praying i don't feel like being loving i don't feel like forgiving i don't feel like fill in the blank we could we could spend the rest of the day coming up with reasons why we don't feel like doing something they don't tell us what we shouldn't do uh, emotions often tell us what we shouldn't do or what we can't do, but never what we ought to do. That's why God says, no, you can do all things through Christ. You can't do them by yourself, but through me, you can do everything. 
Many times the strength of our faith rests on our most recent experience in God's word. And if you haven't been in God's word, then you're going to faint in the day of adversity. And the Bible says if that's the case, then your strength is small. When you get discouraged, when you're disappointed, when you feel dejected, your emotions will tell you the last thing you want to do is read the Bible or be in the place uh, where it's called God's house. You're not going to feel like being amongst God's people. But in reality, that's what you need the most. You need to do it. Why? Because the emotions are not telling you what you ought to do. They're telling you what you can't do. They're telling you what you think you shouldn't do. And yet God says, no, that's exactly what you should do. So what are you left with? I'm either going to obey and feel good for obeying, or I'm not going to obey because I don't feel like obeying. So which one's leading? Emotions or faith? It's faith or foolishness. I know both how to be abased. I know how to be abound, Paul said. And everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed by God to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. After he makes that statement about circumstances is when he says, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I don't like to be hungry. I don't like to be abased. I'd rather abound, but I'm instructed by God that I can do it all, and it's all in his hands. Everywhere the perpetual, everywhere the perpetual endeavor of Satan is to discourage, and in Samuel's case, he was successful. He was so focused on Saul's failure and so disappointed at what he what hadn't been done, he almost missed what God had next for him to do. If he can get the soul, quote unquote, under the weather, then he wins. You may be there. It's not really what we go through that matters. It is what we go under that breaks us. We can bear anything if only we're kept inwardly victorious. How do we do that? By trusting God. By saying, Lord, we, we trust you for all things. If, if God can make his birds to whistle in drenched and stormy darkness, if he can make his butterflies able to bear up under rain, what can he not do for the hearts of the people that trust him? Matthew 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Before he says all that, he says, look to the birds. Look at the lilies. They trust me. Can't you? Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Look, I need you to trust me today. Don't be discouraged. And you may well be discouraged. You may be listening to this. You may be here. And you may be discouraged or disappointed. And, and, and maybe it's been a while. I'm so disappointed because, and you fill in the blank. Okay? Let me encourage you this morning during the invitation. Tell it to the Lord. God, I'm discouraged because, and you fill in the blank. Lord, I, I, I've been discouraged for this long because, and fill in the blank, and I don't care, and God doesn't care, by the way, how many blanks there are. It may not be one individual or one circumstance. It may be a lot of them. Lord, I'm discouraged about, could be a whirlwind. Why don't you confess all that and allow God to say to you, how long are you going to remain this way then? Because in God's, in God's economy, he, he's saying, you really have one choice here. Trust me. All I want you to do is trust me and allow me to become the God who has a bigger plan. Allow me to use you in that plan and get up and go. Fill thine horn with oil. You could say, as the Bible describes oil, that that's the Holy Spirit of God. Take the Holy Spirit that's in you and go 
and do what I've commanded you to do. The next right thing. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for not leaving Samuel discouraged. Lord, what, what, a, what a uttermost rescue of a man of God. And I, I'm so thankful, uh, Lord, that you don't leave us there. You, you always, just like you didn't leave us in our sin, but rather you came to us and died for us. Even when we're discouraged or distracted or disappointed, depressed, you don't leave us there. And so I pray, Lord, this morning that if there's people here in that state, that they would open their hearts and listen this morning to the word of God and they would get up and they would go, that they would go with the Holy Spirit of God and Lord, that they would come to your altar this morning first and that in that time of reflection in their life, in that time of confession of their sin, that they would come to the agreement that, Lord, you are in control of all things. And though we may not like all that's going on, we certainly love our God because you're a God that can be trusted. Create in us a character, Lord, that is pleasing to you and increase our faith. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand together with me as Jenna begins to play? And I wonder this morning if you could actually surrender the words of the song all to Jesus. Maybe this morning you need to come to this altar and surrender a discouragement. Would you come right now? Just leave your seat and come. Maybe you've been disappointed and you need to surrender that. Lord, I I don't like this. I don't understand it, but I need to surrender it to you today. Would you come? Just leave your seat right now.